Ave Maria, gratia plena. On this edition of MonkCast, we have with us today Abbot Barnabas Senecal. Thanks for joining us, Abbot, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I would just like to get to know you a little bit better. So I think we're just going to talk about your childhood, your growing up, your priesthood, your ministry, and your time in the Abbey as well. So if we could just begin, why don't could you, if you share a little bit about your family, your childhood, and where you grew up? I'm one of seven children born to John and Clara Senecal in Atwood, Kansas. Uh, Atwood was not the native town of my mom or dad. Mom was from Topeka. Dad was from the Damar area northeast of Hayes in a French-speaking community. Within my dad's family, he had three brothers. All, four, all three of them were ordained priests, two in the Salina Diocese, and one a Benedictine here in Atchison. He had three sisters that were Sisters of Mercy and Council Bluffs. So that within my family's consciousness was a sense of service as religious members. We grew up in a Capuchin parish in Atwood, uh, but Dad was very committed to the Benedictines and saw that his seven children went to Atchison, to Mar Hill or the Mount Academy, and then on to college. So that's the context within which uh, I grew up, went to public grade school. We did not have a Catholic school at that time. Uh, so we came to, Atchison, to to high school and into college. And you have a twin brother, is that right? Yes. And for years we dressed alike uh, beyond childhood. Namely, we were both ordained in 1964 as Benedictines. And... Uh, he eventually left the community and uh, chose to marry in good standing and worked as a uh, admissions counselor for Boston University in Brandeis. Mm-hmm. So in my, my family, Father Gerard was the oldest son and uh, taught physics in the college and then was president of the college for 15 years. The second brother was a, at the time I joined up, here was a Trappist in Georgia at Our Lady of the Holy Spirit, Conyers. He did that for six years and then uh, left the community, married, lived in Denver, and raised a family of eight. The third brother was a lawyer here in town, Dick Sonical, now deceased. All of my older brothers are deceased. Uh, I have two sisters, one who was a Benedictine sister here for years, and one who was a nurse in Chicago and in Florida. Both of them are living. So you talked about your journey to the priesthood beforehand just a little bit, and it was sort of a development, you said. It wasn't necessarily a single moment. Uh, Could you talk about that a little bit when you started really feeling that your call, God's call for you is to the priesthood? Well, the strongest thing I can talk about is the influence of the family, the influence of uh, not that there was a lot of verbal convincing or directing, but Dad was a strong influence in terms of uh, choices that we made. I once talked to him about, couldn't we just go to high school here in Atwood? 
no way you're going to come 350 miles across the state to uh, Atchison. So, you know, we grew up with the consciousness of serving the masses and going to summer school with uh, sisters. Um, but we were not a, a family. I believe we had a Bible in the house. <laughs> but it, uh, it, w- it was not a... It was a sense of orthodoxy and a sense of uh, joyfulness. The Capuchins were, were good men, had good memories of working with them. I, I, I never thought about joining the, the Capuchins. So um, for, for me, you know, at the time at Moore Hill, we even had a priesthood section. We lived as high school kids as though we were in a seminary, no dating, etc., um, when we came to college, we had, even in freshman, sophomore year, we lived separately on one floor in what now is St. Benedict Hall. So there was always a context of living with others who were making the same decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, some going into diocesan priesthood, some to Benedictine houses. Um, I, did a, I did a bachelor's degree in European history went on to study some history at KU and some educational administration at Emporia. Sure. And then also, I think I heard that you were an athlete and was it high school and college? or As priesthood students, we weren't varsity participants. Okay. We, we did intramurals, and that was enjoyable. In high school, I was quarterback on a Notre Dame box formation, which most people don't know anything about, but it's lined up as a T formation and shift to a single wing. The quarterback in that point in that formation is not a glory person. He's a blocking back. Hmm. So that's why my shoulders are cast down. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a but we were, like a sacrifice. <laughs> we were we were undefeated our senior year. Uh, several of those guys went on to play college football. One quarterback, all conference quarterback for three years at Benedictine. And so those were good. Those are good memories. That is awesome. So, once you became a priest, uh, I believe that you went to Mar Hill. I was ordained in '64. I did one year of prefecting in freshman hall at that time, and then I, and taught in the college. Then it was at St. Joseph's Parish with Father Leo in South Atchison for three years. Then I went into residence at Mar Hill for the next 24 years. Mostly in administration, but teaching social studies and religion, mm-hmm. managing intramurals, and living with the kids. And then later you were a pastor at is it Holy Spirit School then for a while? Holy Spirit in Overland Park uh, from 91 to 94 with Father Albert Hauser. At that time, Archbishop Strecker, who as a young man had attended school in Atchison, Wanted Johnson, wanted Benedictines in Johnson County, and so Father Albert and I accepted that assignment from the abbot, Abbot Owen, and I very much enjoyed those three years and have continuing relationship with a good number of those families. It was an excellent time for me. And then in 1994, you were elected as the abbot of St. Benedict's Abbey. Is that correct? Right. Right. And let's just take a jump back really quick. So Benedictine, um, you said you, you had experience with the Capuchin. What made you choose to be a Benedictine monk? 
my dad. My dad was an auto mechanic and Chevrolet agency dealership, and uh, we were very conscious of him as a hardworking person, Mm -hmm. very conscious of our mother as uh, a kind, hardworking mother raising seven, including a set of twins. Not that twins are difficult, but they're uh, (laughs) double the trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Just by the way, too, the, the summers before I came to the college, we played town team baseball out in western Kansas, and the last summer I did that, I think I won all the 10 games that I pitched. My twin brother was the catcher, and my other brother, Dick, was a pitcher. We had a lot of good times with, with that sport. That is awesome. Did people get you mixed up with your brother all the time? Because he said you dressed similar. Well, we <laughs> the last game he pitched and I caught, which was really confusing. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. we tried not to, to not to fool the grade school teachers, but I don't have a lot of honoriness in my memory, nor even later life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I have a really hard time distinguishing twins sometimes, so I would be one of those mm-hmm. people that would have no idea. <laughs> All right, so and uh, you were elected as the abbot, um, and your motto was, Sing to the Lord a new song. Could you tell us a little bit about why you chose that motto? The three years I was at Holy Spirit, I followed a tradition that they had on a Friday morning having a song fest and an awards assembly. And uh, that kind of caught my eye. I, I liked that. So we often sang at masses. Singing was uh, something kids enjoyed and brought them together. And um, so I, I continued that. And then when I did confirmations for the bishop in parish settings, I made up some different words for one of the commonly sung songs that talked about confirmation. The words were in the bulletin that was handed out to the people, and so we all sang that song related to the comments from their letters, and those were enjoyable evenings, I think, for them, and definitely it was for me. But again, it was part of song. Um, I remember when I was blessed as abbot, the archbishop comes to the abbey church and blesses me and or whoever the new abbot is. At the end of that, I sang sing to the lord a new song and it was just it was fitting to choose that as a motto or a part of my crest i guess they called it mm-hmm. heraldry it's a psalm a line from several of the psalms i guess i was the first to put the uh, motto in english and it seems to have been acceptable <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was part of the spirit of the time for me because I learned to say Mass in Latin in 1964. By 67, we had changed language. Mm. And it was a, a good experience for me to, to have had that consciousness of where we were and where we were going. And uh, I've, I've been an advocate of the vernacular. I love singing Gregorian chant. Stood beside Father Anselm for six years in the Scola, and uh, that helped me develop my sense of pitch and sense of rhythm mm-hmm. from from him as a master. So, you were an abbot from 1994 to when? When was the date that you retired? Well, when I finished in our congregation of Benedictines, and I mean by that there are several groupings of Benedictines depending on your origins. 
and we are Bavarian, and uh, our our rule is that when you're 75, you retire, as with bishops. Prior to that, and in the Swiss, for instance, they they are they do not elect for any ter- term of office, so they serve. And you can read the rule of Benedict, and pretty much supports the idea of a father for life, but it became the wisdom of the church in some ways that at 75, most men ought to retire. I did that for a while. I, I said to the archbishop, I'd love to do six months. If somebody would do, want to do a sabbatical for six months, I'd love to take the parish for that time. So I did St. Mary's, Kansas, and Rossville for six months. Awesome. Then came back to work at St. Benedict's Parish. Sure. So you have a wide variety at school and some different parishes and the abbey. Outside of your ministry, do you have any hobbies or interests that you, I heard you've done photography in the past? Kind of by accident. I had a sabbatical year in 1990-91 and uh, went to Rome for 10 or 12 weeks took a camera with me, Minolta 70, Minolta 35 millimeter film, and took a lot of pictures and uh, developed an interest in seeing things and shooting pictures. And then I, I was invited by Celebration Magazine in Kansas City by a National Catholic Reporter to to reflect on a picture and to write a poem regarding that picture. And so I did that for about 12 years. Not every month, but many months. And it was it was good for me as a person to, to think about what this picture says to me. Then I, through some friends, realized that we could also do exhibits. And one of the, when we renewed the uh, entryways to the church, during our 100 centennial year, I got into enlargements and framing and framing and using uh, the best glass. Mm-hmm. And so I had a set of about 30 photos that were framed and were exhibit quality, of such quality that it was written in Ethics Newsweekly, an NPR program, did a shoot here of my stuff, and uh, but since then I haven't done much new framing. What kind of pictures do you like to take usually? Is it more still life, nature, or? Among the 30 that were on exhibit, I tried to touch upon, uh, well, for one thing, in Brazil, where we have a mission, mm-hmm. the, the floral display is so great that mm-hmm. I took several pictures that were of nature and others, the, the the church buildings, and Brazil's a beautiful country. When I was in Rome, as a, as a every four years, the abbots of the, of the of the world gather in Rome. So I was there several times and took pictures. Um, some pictures were of monks in action around here, whether it's on a lawnmower or at mass or whatever. And I'm still a, a digital camera guy and not a iPhone. <laughs> yeah, digital cameras are still, I think they're still better, better yeah. off. Yeah. Well, Abbot Barnabas, I think there'll be probably some young people listening to the podcast, maybe some students from 
Benedictine College. Um, so do you have any advice for some young people that might be discerning their vocation or just mm-hmm. figuring out what they want to do with their life? I think throughout the time that I w- went to Moore Hill and did Camp St. Moore as a staff member or as director, and all the subsequent maintaining contact with alumni of, of the high school and of the college, what I'm so conscious of and was then and still am is the, the group spirit that a Benedictine community brings to the person who's open to whatever the future might hold. In the days when I joined here, we were 175 members. It's a huge difference than what is today. Mm-hmm. So that, that sense of working with others and maintaining school environment and yet a community of monks together working was what I think kept me here and, and a certain level of acceptance by others in large part, what I've done in my life is what other people ask me to do. Mm-hmm. In other words, as a Benedictine, one doesn't campaign much for what you might go in and talk to the abbot now and then. <laughs> I mean, in those days, the older monks tried to recruit younger monks to, to get credentialed in their field and then come and take their place. And that I was encouraged to do a degree in in. Actually, Anselm wanted me to do it in music. Conrad wanted me to do it in chemistry. I did 20 hours of chemistry. Mm. Then I became a history student, so I waffled a little bit. We who studied history here in the, for many years studied under Father Victor Gelhaus, wonderful lecturer. And some of these men studied in Europe at the time mm. of the rise of Hitler, Father Peter. And so there was a richness Father Columban, wow. a sergeant in the army. And uh, so all of those memories that I share, I picked up the Kansas City Star this morning, mm-hmm. and here's a picture of Pat Lysot, whose funeral's tomorrow at Curie of Ours, a Mar Hill graduate of 1967. Mm-hmm. Those names stick in my memory, not only their names, but their personalities, their families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what history is, just the stories of people and personalities and all that. It's good stuff. All right, well, Barnabas, thanks for coming on the show. I do want to put in for his 80th birthday, the monks, did they set up a, uh, our Abbot Barnabas Seneca Legacy Fund to support the educational efforts of the Abbey. So if you can go to kansasmonks.org and you can get more uh, information on that or on Facebook as well. Um, Abbot Barnabas, would you mind uh, finishing us in prayer here? Lord, we thank you for being an example of service to others, of uh, finding happiness and satisfaction in things that come easy to us and for those that require our best effort and constantly Help us to uh, know the value of prayer, of community prayer and individual prayer, and direct our hearts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 All right. Well, thanks, Ev Barnabas, for coming on the show. And thanks for listening to this edition of MonkCast. You can follow us on iTunes now. We are updating the podcast regularly now. 
on there as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, kansasmonks.org.